So glad you braved the cold to come and join us for church this morning. If you're able, please just get to your feet as we get ready to worship our King who is worthy of all of our praise. Hallelujah.
We're so glad to have you with us this morning. Amen. All right. Well, good morning, everybody.
Good morning, good morning. Live streamers, it's good to have you wherever you're watching from. Whatever platform, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, it's good to have you. And uh, for the live streamers, just real quick, and I, I love I love live stream because it gives people an opportunity that uh, maybe are homebound and can't get out to watch church, or maybe people that are, are sick or on vacation or whatever can tune in for church. But having said that, if you are able to get to church, don't ever let live stream substitute being in church with the family of faith. So it's good for what it's good for, but if you can make it to church, I encourage you to come on out, okay? So, and uh, look forward to having you a part in body, in the family of faith. All right, tithe and offering. If you do have us in giving today, there's offering envelopes and chairs in front of you. If not, the ushers will have an offering envelope. They also have prayer cards, too. So if you have a prayer request, you can wave your hand around, and uh, they will give a card to you. We'd love to join in faith uh, with you for your prayer request. And uh, certainly Monday night prayer, we pray over those prayer requests and throughout the week. So having said that, let me pray over your offering. If you have something today, you can bring it down to these baskets down here. Lord, Lord we're thankful to be able to come to your house and be with you today and, and, and worship in unity in a few moments to dig into the word together. Uh, but part of our worship and our fellowship is our giving today. And I thank you, Lord, for the increase of our life, the blessings that uh, you continually bring to us in your faithfulness, Lord. And, and you are constantly, constantly showing yourself as to who you are to us, your love for us, but in your love and your grace, your, your provision, Lord. And I thank you for the provision that's always in front of us, this day our daily bread, but the increase of provision, Lord, so we can in turn be a blessing to other people, Lord. So as we give today, bringing a tithe that is holy unto you, to the house, Lord, that uh, the stewardship of the house, the increase of what you can do with what is brought in, we thank you for that and the wisdom in that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you have something, bring it. I do have uh, some announcements. we got several things coming up. Don't forget... Uh, every Monday night from 6 to 7, we say this every Sunday, uh, we have church-wide prayer right here uh, each week because we believe in the power of prayer because we believe in a powerful God. And, and if we're not praying, then what's the point, right? So uh, Monday night prayer is every Monday from 6 to 7. If you have questions about that, Samara or Christine or even Justice, ask them and they'll tell you more about it. Um, and coming up pretty soon, we have uh, Good Friday and Easter. Okay, so uh, April the 7th, Friday is Good Friday, and we have what we call a time of reflection. Uh, if you were a part of this last year, uh, you remember what we did. We're going to be doing it again. Uh, the stations will be different, but from 6 to 8 o'clock, the church will be open. It's not a service from 6 to 8, but from 6 to 8, the church will be open. We'll have different stations of reflection in the church. You come in, there'll, there'll be a booklet, a thing to do with it. Uh, and you can spend as much time during that time here as you want to. You can come through uh, and get here at 6 and take 30 minutes and go through it and head out. Or, or you can come at, at 7. You can come anytime between 6 to 8 and spend time in reflection of what Good Friday is all about. And, and it's a wonderful time uh, for families to be together. And parents can walk their children through and talk to them about different aspects of Good Friday and the stations that we will have. So that's Good Friday, and we encourage you to be here for that. Then certainly then, uh, uh, Sunday, April the 9th is Easter. We will be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And as always we do on Easter, 
uh, Mike and Tish and the team, they're going to have a little light breakfast for you that day. Amen. How many of y'all like to eat? Okay, so that's not what that day's about, but hey, why not, right? So um, there'll be a little light breakfast on Easter Sunday, so come a little early. If, if you're one of those right at 10 o'clock people, I encourage you to come a little early to have something to eat, and, uh, but we will celebrate Jesus that day. So uh, don't miss that. And then a couple other quick announcements that I need to let you know. Um, we have a men's and a women's event coming up in April also. So on Friday night, April the 14th at 6.30, we have a guys event that night. We'll have a little food. We're going to have a devotion, a little worship. Then I have a guy coming named Kevin Ludicky, and uh, he is an expert in some different things. And what he's going to do, and this is sort of an outdoorsy thing, so even if this is not your thing, I encourage you to come, but he's going to spend some time teaching us some uh outdoor basic first aid so if you're out in the country and you're hiking or whatever you have an injury he's going to teach you some basic first aid he's also a knot master so he's going to be teaching us knots and different things like that so it's going to be a fun night of guys hanging out doing some stuff and that can be for middle school kids on up so if you're if your child your boy is in the youth fifth on up uh they can come out for that event so that's april the 14th at 6 30 and then the ladies have an event on april the 29th and that is from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's a, it's a kind of a women's, not a conference, but it's going to have some sessions and some teaching. They're going to have a, a brunch lunch for you, and some speakers are coming in and a good time together. So that's April the 29th from 10 to 2, and we'll have a sign-up out for both those events next week. So you can see Margo about that if you have questions. Uh, to cover some of the stuff for both those events, it's 5 bucks a person. That would just help us out, cover some of the costs uh, for those nights. For the guys' event and the girls' event, 5 bucks a person. That will just help us with some of those costs. So if you have questions, see me or see Margo about that. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time hanging out and getting into the Word together. All right. So having said that, one more thing today. Nate Newman uh, is with us. And uh, Nate has a, a really cool testimony. And he also has started an outreach. And I thought I'd give him an opportunity. He asked uh, to have an opportunity just to share about it. But anytime somebody in the church is doing something Outreach-wise, I want you guys to know about it. So this is Nate, and uh, Nate's just for a couple of minutes to share about himself and what he's doing. All right, yes, yeah, so like I said, my name's Nate. Um, we recently just started a, a recovery outreach program over Mechanicsburg at David's Place. Um, it goes from anything from addiction to alcohol to regular life stressors and stuff, whether you got PTSD, anxiety, depression, it doesn't matter what you have. If you're struggling with something, we'll help you. Um, they all, David Place also has a prison ministry for those who are either in prison or getting out who need help as well, getting back on their feet. Um, and so it's every Tuesday at, from 6.30 to 7.30, it was our recovery program. Um, babe, you have a list of the other ones because I don't remember all of them. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Um, but so just um, a little backstory on me and stuff. Um, I grew up in a pretty rough past. Um, I uh, had a really rough childhood, um, anything from abuse, mental, physical, um, verbal. And then I got into drugs. I became a drug addict. And then I became, became a drug dealer. Um, I also became an alcoholic. Um, and I chased all that away, went into the, went into the Marine Corps. Um, experienced a lot of things I shouldn't have experienced. Ended up developing PTSD, which when I got out, sent me right back into drugs um, and alcohol to the point where 
if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be here today. Um, about three years ago, I met my lovely wife, and that's when things started to change. Um, I got clean, um, fell in love with Jesus, and just life has progressed to this point where he has allowed me to be able to help those who were in a situation I was in. Um, and so that's what we want to do is we just want to help those who need help no matter where they're at. Um, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus to lead them to the Lord themselves and get them clean or if whatever they're going through in life, it doesn't matter. We'll be there for them. Um, and so it's a, it's a dated place. It's in Mechanicsburg. Um, it's right next, right close to the coffee shop down there at the main intersection. Um, and doesn't matter what you're going through there's always somebody that will help you there um so i just wanted to present that to you guys that way if you guys know somebody or anybody you might know out there and stuff you can give them the information and send them our way and stuff so we can get them the help they need all right thank you all right thank you amen thanks sir how many know that god can take what the enemy tried to do and he will turn it into something for his glory right and, and I'll tell you what, in all the things that, that we come across at the church body and also in our community, um, it's, it's one thing to say that God can deliver you from drugs or addiction issues. And we believe that. But it's another thing to have somebody that's been there and done that as a testimony of what God has done to help you through what you're going through. Amen? So I love that kind of a story, and I love what he's doing. So, uh, again, if you have... Uh, questions or you know people or you yourself please see please see him and he'll hook you up all right got your bibles with you today who brought your bibles let me see who brings your bible to church oh good i'm glad i like that i like you don't just wait for it to come up on the screen i like you bring a bible um if you held your phone up that's okay that's acceptable i'll tell you i know i say this but you know um obviously i can get the bible on my phone but I rarely read the Bible on my phone. You know why? Because while I'm on there, I'll get a text or a phone call. Or there's a temptation of social media to stop reading the Bible because this thing can be all sorts of stuff. That, and not necessarily bad. It can be bad, but not necessarily bad. But uh, when you get into the Word, it's nice to be uninterrupted than be interrupted. Amen? That, that time with... Jesus is so important. So anyhow, your Bibles today, Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 1. We'll get there in just a moment. So we're, we're in our, our Easter series uh, leading up to, again, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Uh, last week, we talked about the humanity of Jesus and the importance of understanding the humanity of Jesus. Uh, kind of want to go big picture today with you a little bit. But God has always been involved with humans in our history, and he's never been absent from the work that he is doing in history. But at the same time, uh, something needed to happen, and, and the world was uh, in a place that was in desperation for God to act in a way because sin and death and the kingdom of darkness simply were having its way. Again, God has always been active, but see, that activity somehow, some way, needed to go from a local people of God to something worldwide. 
and actually need to go beyond worldwide to something that's cosmic. In other words, something that affects everything, absolutely everything. And see, the effects of sin, when we see it, we know it as individuals, as people, but the effects of sin are creation-wide. So not only was there a need for a new humanity, but there also was a need for a new heaven and a new earth because sin had affected all things. But what I love about the story of Jesus coming, Advent, we talk about it at Christmas, is that the timing of God and the wisdom of God and the plan of God, God does what he does in perfect timing. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Let's get into what I mean by that. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Paul writing here. And he says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different than a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he's under guardians and managers until the time that is set by his father or the date set by the father. So it's talking about uh, uh, our relationship with God and the fact that we become heirs of all things, but there had to be something that happened that changed the nature of this relationship. Verse 3. In the same way we also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But watch verse 4 here. But when the fullness of time had come, The fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of the son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So that you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Again, God had been active in the world in the way that he was active, But notice Paul writes there, in the fullness of time, God has a plan. You can can write that down and put it in big capital letters. God has a plan. And in the fullness of time, Jesus came into the world at the time that God desired him to come. How many know you can't rush God? Now, the question is, why did it take until that time for Jesus to be born. Why wasn't he born before that? I don't know. That's the wisdom of God. Isn't that right? As a matter of fact, in the exact same way, there is another fullness of time that we are waiting for in accordance to his return. Why hasn't Jesus already come back? I don't know. There's some things scripturally I think we can work out and maybe some things that we're looking for, but yet... There's going to be another fullness of time for the return of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. But God has a plan. And the fullness of time, Jesus came at the perfect time. You realize for there to be prophecy in the Bible. So, for instance, we know that the the great prophet Isaiah He prophesied some 700 years before Jesus was born about Jesus coming. You know that. 700 years before. For those things to happen and be true, it shows that God has always had a plan. And you remember that. Because you can look at our world and see the losses of our world and wonder what in the world is going on. God has a plan. And his plan is actually in effect. And in the fullness of time, 
Jesus came to, to change the nature of how God was interacting with humans. Now, again, like we said last week, it's not as if you can take your fingers and go Genesis all the way to Malachi, okay, and kind of hold it there and say, okay, that what we call the Old Testament, that was plan A, and it failed, it didn't work. So now God had to come as a human and fix the plan that failed. So Jesus is kind of plan B. No, no, no. It's been the same plan the entire time. And in the fullness of time, Jesus comes to deal with the need that it needed to go from local to worldwide, but not just worldwide, but cosmic. In other words, Jesus is the only way to bring fulfillment to the plan. 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse number 20 and 21, another writing here that talks about what we're saying. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. says he, and that's Jesus. Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So before the foundation of the world, Jesus was foreknown to bring the plan of God to full fruition. You know that. Again, Jesus is not plan B, but he's plan A. He's been plan A all along. God has a plan. See, my grandfather used to say, my grandfather was a farmer, worked a dairy farm. He always said, make the plan and work the plan. That was sort of a saying, I guess, he had with, with his kids. And, and, and of course, uh, you know, growing on farm, it's a lot of hard work. My uncles, my aunts, they never played sports. They never did any of the extracurricular activity at school because they worked the farm. My grandfather always said, make the plan, then work the plan. Well, it's not exactly like it, but God is working the plan. He has a plan. He's working the plan. And the plan was Jesus. God in flesh coming into this world. So, in other words, Jesus shows up. God is man. Remember, we said last week, three things that happened because of his humanity. He shows us how to live. Then he actually, literally, physically dies for us on the cross. Then he is bodily resurrected from the dead. In other words, Jesus coming, Jesus matters. And all this because of what he does for us. Jesus matters. Now, I, I say that because... Don't ever let your faith become cliche to you. Don't ever let it just become just, just sort of this, I, well, well, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Well, we're, we're coming up on Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Every year we celebrate these things. Part of the church calendar. Why? Because they are the reminders of the foundational things of our faith, the foundational stones of what we believe. But don't let it become cliche, especially if you attend church all the time. We come together, we sing some songs. Okay, that's nice. Take up our offering. Hopefully we like each other enough to go shake each other's hands. That's always good, right? Then, then we do this. We, we talk in the Bible. We get into the scriptures. 
It can easily become a routine that turns into cliche. It should be a rhythm of your life, but never rhythm of cliche. Jesus matters. And what he did matters. Not just to talk about and say, yeah, I believe in it. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, he rose from the dead. That's nice. No, Jesus matters. Matter of fact, I'll say it, I'll say it this way. Elijah, throw that first slide up. What Jesus did is the best thing that could have happened. And it absolutely changes everything. It's the best thing that could happen. And what Jesus did, it absolutely positively changes everything. You think about, what would you consider the best things that ever happened to you? Think about it. If you're married, that ought to be the first thing you think about. The best thing that ever happened to me was my wife, right? Amen. If you have kids, hopefully you say that some of the best things are my kids. Maybe it could be an achievement in life. I don't know. When you think about what are the best things that have happened in your life, you should have some things that you cherish. But understand that the coming of Jesus and what he did that changed everything did it in an absolute way and it's the best thing that could ever have happened. See, God could have left us in our mess. You know that. So you think about the best things that have ever happened to you. I could be married and actually have a good marriage, right? And I could have three kids like I have, and all my kids turn out to be pretty solid citizens of society, productive citizens of society. That's good, right? And I can achieve all the things I dream about achieving in life, goals and, and plans and dreams. But I can still be lost in my sin. You can have all the things that you consider the best things, but still be lost. Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to you. And don't forget that. Because Jesus is the one that changes everything. And he changes it, listen, in an absolute way. In other words, there is no other way. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So again, it's not just something nice that happens you can kind of put in your life, but it changes the course of everything. This is monumental. It changes the trajectory of world history. See, Romans chapter number 5, you'll turn there, and verse number 12. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, who's that one man? Adam. And death through sin. You see what happens? Sin comes into the world, and now death reigns. Death is having its way. The results of sin that affects all things, not just mankind, but creation itself is having its way. And so that death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin was indeed in the world before the law was given, but sin was not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, and even over those who were who sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So, in other words, 
sin comes into the world. And because we all fall underneath this, all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin has absolutely changed the trajectory of humankind. You see that? From the goodness of God's creation, remember, God created all things, and after he made man, he said, it's very good. The goodness of man in creation, the trajectory of that is changed because of sin. Therefore, death is reigning. Death is having its way and it's affecting all things. But watch what happens then with Jesus, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of, of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation of all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For by one, the, the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. So what's Paul doing here? He's contrasting Adam who brings sin into the world and Jesus who brings justification and righteousness. You see that? The trajectory of all men were changed by Adam because of sin, but here Jesus comes. The best thing that could happen that absolutely changes everything. See, Jesus, by grace, Jesus as the gift, he comes and he changes the trajectory of mankind. Best thing that could ever happen. And in that, the grace and the gift overflowed to many for all who would receive. Think about that. When death reigned, one man, but now through Jesus, the next man. Life abundantly and life everlasting is the gift of God. You see that? Changes everything. Life abundantly, life everlasting. Here is now the trajectory of all those who would believe. See how the course of humankind is changed by Jesus? And here's the only way this can happen. You can't fix your mess by yourself. You know that? Can't do it. You can get all the self-help books in the world. Can't do it. You, you can take, what's, what's the personality thing they do? Enneagram, is that what it's called or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. I've never done it. You, you can do that, but you can't fix yourself if you know whatever number you are. It's okay, but you can't fix yourself using it, right? The only way to be fixed is through the work of Jesus, the best thing that could ever happen to you. And it changes absolutely everything. See, in this new life, you think about this. It will change how you see your past. It will change how you see your present. It will change how you see your future. 
it not only changes how you see it, but actually changes it. It will change how you live. It will change how you think. It will change how you act. It will change how you respond. It will change your perspective of life. It will change your perspective of the world. It will change your perspective of what is happening. For those who believe, it absolutely not only forgives you and sets you free, but then it changes everything. You see that? Everything about you. Everything about the way you perceive things and understand things all comes now in a new light. That's what Jesus does. Now, you think about our society, and and you say, man, you're saying that Jesus absolutely changed everything. Have you been out there at all? Have you been looking and paying attention? Have you watching the news? Have you been interacting in society? Did, Did he really change everything? For those who believe. I understand in American society, we live in a post-Christian culture. I get it. That has brought in the question a lot of things that we stand and believe in. We live in a, a very post-sexual revolution culture. Ever since the 60s and all that, the idea of what sex is and these different kinds of things has changed. A lot of perversion out there. Has Jesus changed everything for those who believe? Because, again... That can frustrate you. I get it, but God has a plan. Remember. And the kingdom grows like the woman working the yeast in the dough. Don't forget that. The kingdom grows, as the Bible says, like a plant from a seed. Eventually it will grow to be the biggest plant in the house, but it's still growing. God has a plan. And the plan is centered in Jesus. The life that he lived, the things that he taught, and certainly his crucifixion, then backed up in the resurrection. God has a plan. But what happens for you in order for it to change everything about you? I love this short little parable in the book of Matthew, chapter number 13, and verse 44. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 44. It says, the kingdom of heaven is the work of God in this world, inaugurated by Jesus, set up by Jesus, enacted by Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field, which a man found, and he covered it up, Then his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So it is with the kingdom of God. Now, if you notice, the guy was walking on somebody else's property. Was he not? Somehow he stumbles across a treasure in this field. In this, I don't know. The adjective you want to use for this guy, he covers it back up and kind of hides it, right? Doesn't tell the owner about it. He hides it. He goes away and sells everything that he owns and purchases the field for much less than it was worth because of the treasure there and then gains the treasure, the most valuable thing that he's ever had. So it is with the kingdom of God. So we live in a world that God made, but the enemy has had his way. And in living life, we stumble across this great treasure, right? 
But in order to have this treasure, you have to go give everything you have away, which isn't as valuable as the treasure in order to have this treasure that's the most valuable thing you could ever have. See, this is what I mean by Jesus not being cliche or the work of the kingdom not being cliche. It needs to be on a daily basis the best thing that has ever happened to you. Like finding the treasure every day. Can you imagine every single day waking up and finding a treasure? You couldn't wait till the next day. You, you would probably get a little greedy about it, right? I imagine you'll get a little greedy about it. But it's the best thing that ever happens to you every single day. That's Jesus. He's the best thing. He's the only thing. But in order for it to change everything about you, you have to be willing to give up everything to have it. Because the work, what the treasure is, will overtake your life. It's not a nice little thing that you add to your life, but it becomes your life. That we would live in such a way that Jesus, the work of the kingdom, what we understand of his death and his resurrection, the things that he taught, is a treasure that we value so much. That sort of boggles our mind that we have it. It's something we'll never let go of but something that's changed everything about us. So, so a question. Next slide here. If it changes everything, and it can, has it actually changed everything for you? Yeah, that's the question. See, see this work of Jesus, and we talk about it in such a very personal way. It is super personal. But as we were saying in the beginning, it went from a local group of people called the people of God, the Israelites, and went to the entire world to whoever would believe, right? But it wasn't just the earth thing. It was an all-creation thing. You realize the work of Jesus changed the entire cosmos to the point eventually there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. That's an all-encompassing work. You are a part of the big-picture work of God saving his entire creation. That's what he's up to. But when you come back down to that big picture right to you, if it can change everything, has it changed everything about you? See what I mean? So when we talk, let's say, about sin, has it changed your perspective of sin? Not just you've been forgiven of sin, but you understand you've been set free from sin. And what does that mean now as I live forward? My perspective of things that, that I felt were gratification and things that I wanted to be a part of, all of a sudden I understand the deadliness of them. Do I see it that way? No. Do, do, I, do I see a new way other people? Learn to understand this whole business of loving my neighbor as myself. What's that all about? That's a perspective change. Change that. Has your idea of, of, of the world, has it changed in the fact that you begin to understand that I've been called to be a light to this world? I'm not called to, listen, you're not called to survive the world. You're called to be a light to the world. Do you understand that? There's a difference there. 
Has your perspective changed? Has your perspective changed in not only how you treat people, but how you respond when people do things to you? Has it changed that too? Uh, are you still living in an eye for an eye, or, or are you living in, I will not repay evil for evil, wrong for wrong? Has that changed? I mean, the entire perspective of how you live your life ought to be changed by the fact that Jesus is the best thing that has happened to you and he can change everything. There was an old novel I read years ago called The Death of Ivan Illich. Maybe you've heard of this. I don't even know why I read it, but anyways, I did. And this guy, Ivan Illich, lives his life, and on his deathbed, he has this perspective, have I lived life as I have ought to live? That was his perspective. It's very, very simple. He has a moment of reflection. In other words, did I live my life the way that I ought to have lived it. And we take that perspective now when it comes to Jesus, and we look at our life and, and, and can be kind of, kind of reflective. Am I living my life as I ought to have lived it in the light of Jesus Christ today? Am I living my life in a way that he is actually changing everything? Because he came, he taught, he did miracles, then he died. Then he rose from the dead. Then he ascends and sends the Spirit to help us. Is my life changed based on that? See, we confess that, you know that? How many of you confess that Jesus died on the cross? Let me see. How many of you confess that he rose from the dead? It changes everything. Are you living your confession? Are you living what you say you believe? Or is it turned cliche? Yeah, I believe, but it's not really affecting my life. Yeah, I believe, but it's not really changing my perspective. Yeah, I believe, but, but sin, well, it's not that big a deal. However you want to put it. You see what I'm getting at? If it changes everything, has it changed everything about you? And this is the life that we live that we call discipleship. Living as a Christian. People that confess that Jesus is Lord is Jesus Lord of your life. You see, we make calls. We make calls for people to respond that Jesus is your Savior, right? And He is. But Jesus is Savior and He's Lord. And He's not just King and Lord of a kingdom coming later, He is right now. You confess Him as your Savior because He's forgiven you, amen, but. Is he Lord of your life and he's changing everything about you? That's a big deal. That's the kingdom of God. I want to be a person that not only confesses Jesus, but I want to be a person that lives like I did. I want there to be, again, I, I, let's see, if I've been professing as a Christian for, wow, a long time. I'm trying to add the numbers in my mind, probably get it wrong. Since I was 17. 
I want to know that I've changed. And I want to know that I'm still changing. I want to know there's things that are different about me because of Jesus. I want to know that he's working on me. And I want to know that I'm obedient to listen and allow him to. I want to know that the evidence of God is the evidence of my life. That's what it means to be a light in the world. Not perfection. We're, we're, we're getting there, but it's not perfection, but it is the work of God in you. And there's something happening. I want to live each day that Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to me. He's the treasure in the field that I found. And I want Jesus to be that in such a way that he's changing everything about me. I'm not satisfied where I'm at right now. I want to be a light for him in all aspects that I can be. See, a lot of times we confess beyond our understanding, if you know what I mean by that. I confess Jesus is Lord. In, in certain ways, there's things I understand. There's some things I don't grasp. I, I confess beyond my understanding. But what that means for me is my confession goes beyond me, but it's taking me somewhere. It's leading me somewhere. It's opening up something to happen within me. That's what I want. Change everything. I think God is constantly calling us into deeper places. And what I mean by that is, in other words, change within you. Mark works of the Holy Spirit that are evidence of the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. Because it all comes right back to that. That's the key to the entire thing. When Jesus died on the cross, listen to me, it was the greatest moment of human history. You understand that? It is the greatest moment of human history. We, we, we think, well, we think about how we live today. I'm, I'm glad we have cars and not, still not having to ride horses or drawn, carriages drawn by oxen, right? I was, that was great on the, on the drive here today. It was 14 degrees and a little windy. I'm glad I had the conveniences of electricity and running water in my house. We think life progresses because technology progresses. False. The greatest moment of human history was Jesus dying on the cross. It's the linchpin of human history. Because that is the moment that all history leans on. Because that is the moment that changed everything. And if you can understand it and see it that way, it will change your perspective of our world. And what our world really needs. Our world does not need more technology that we're going to get it, whether or not you like it. Our world doesn't need a better car, though we'll probably get it. Our world doesn't need faster airplanes, they'll probably make them at some point. Our world doesn't need to fly to Mars, but it probably will. Our world needs Jesus. It's the best thing, it's the greatest thing, it's the only thing. So a couple different ways to maybe bring this to a point this morning. 
first off, again, don't let Jesus become cliche to you. That every day you understand this treasure in the field that you have and what that means to you. Or, or maybe, maybe you're listening to this and this is sort of new to you a little bit. I would suggest giving yourself to him. In other words, giving everything away that you have in order to have the treasure. And allow him to begin to change everything. He starts with the fact that he calls you to a place of relationship through the forgiveness of your sins. And, and, the, and the most mind-boggling thing that I dealt with when I first gave my life to Jesus was I had to think. You mean, I, I literally in my mind would think of specific things. And I would, I would say in sort of a prayerful, very, very, uh, uh, not a very proper way, I would say something like, you really forgive me for that? I would be thinking, I would specifically be thinking about saying, you really forgave me for that? You really forgave me for that? Really? And I had to work through that in my mind. And every time he answers, yep, yes, yep. Forgiveness is what he offers. That fixes the problem. Remember, sin reigned, death reigned through Adam bringing sin to the world. But it's fixed through the forgiveness of God. Right? Then what he calls you to is new life. And that's the, we talk about the word repentance. Repentance is asking for forgiveness, but it's changing. In other words, you want to put it in living life, it's asking forgiveness, now living new life that he brings us. The change. Changes everything. And he'll give you a new life, abundant life. Life as he intends it to be. And we live in this tension of a now and not, yes, kingdom now, but kingdom coming. We live in this tension of waiting for his return. And, and learning what it means to live in this world and that tension. But he offers life. You know, every person needs life. Well, I have life. No, 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 life. Every person needs life. Life infused by God. So I would encourage you today, if you have not, to ask for that. It's simple. Again, it doesn't have to be some professional prayer. Lord, Give me of my sins. And, and for, your, for your own sake, you have to work line by line a little bit like I did. Then do it. If not, then you just understand it's a wholesale thing. But ask for forgiveness. And he absolutely forgives you. Then they said, now come follow me. Come on. I'm going I'm to make you into something. I'm gonna, this, this is surrendering your life. It's giving up everything you have in order to have the treasure. He's going to take you somewhere. He's going to show you some stuff. He's going to change some things. But it's for your good. He's the best thing. Amen. I mean, all have the treasure in the field. Let me see. Who's got it? If you don't, give your life to him today. Amen. How about we stand up on your feet? Let me pray. Mara, if you'd like to come up for me. Oh, Jesus. Lord, you're wonderful. So good. You are so good, Lord. So good. 
How about your own way, however you want to? Just you pray this moment. Lord, continue to change me, change everything about me. In a certain way, recommit, reconsecrate yourself to him today. That he would have his way in your life. And you know, as, as he does those things, he'll, he'll reconfirm a lot of things you thought. He may surprise you in some things, too. And that's okay. That's good. Maybe you have sin that you need to ask for forgiveness for. Go ahead and do so. Maybe there's things in your life that he's been asking of you, and you've kind of been putting it off to the side. Maybe commit to those things. Maybe there's people in your life you need to forgive. Walk in forgiveness of those things today. Maybe you have a struggle, something you've been dealing with for a long time. It just seems like the fight of your life. Be encouraged today. The Holy Spirit's with you. Ask for his help again today. Maybe you need answers for something, maybe some direction, some wisdom. Once again, bring those things to him. Maybe there's some struggles financially. Call on him. He, he, is, he is faithful. He is our provider. He'll respond. God, you are so good, so faithful. We praise you today, Lord, and we worship you. In other words, we give all of ourselves to you. I pray for each one of us that you are so vibrant, so tangible to So we live by faith each day. And our lives are being changed. Thank you. I'm going to close in just a minute, but there's anything that I was just saying there that, that grabbed your heart and you'd like prayer about that, I want you to come down when we close up. Or, or maybe you're, you're here today and you're like, man, I, I've never given my life to Jesus, but I'd like to do so today. I'd like you to come down when I close in prayer. So I want to spend a moment with you and talk to you for a second. But we'd love to spend time with you. So if that's you, I'm going to pray and say amen. And you're dismissed. But if you would like to come down, please come down and we'll spend some time with you. Okay? Lord, we worship you and we praise you. And, and live in the joy of our salvation. We thank you for being the best thing and the thing that we needed. Lord, I pray that you're with each one of us today. Strengthen us, encourage us, give us wisdom. A life with you, Lord, that 
is simply evident of your activity. We thank you. So as we close out our time together today, Lord, you are glorified. Your name is lifted up. And as we go, I pray that we are a light in this world, the mission field that we're entering, Lord, that we are the people of God. Keep us from temptation, Lord. Help us overcome. But beyond that, Lord, that we are bearers of the gospel, the good news of Jesus to those that are around us. We thank you for that opportunity. We're in on what you are up to. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you like prayer or whatever, come on down. We'd love to be with you. If not, Wednesday night, next Sunday, be blessed. Bring somebody out with you.